Today on CityCast Boise, how many trees does it take to keep our City of Trees nickname? Turns out, at least 100,000. That's how many more urban trees the city wants to plant in the next eight years. I know at least one person who's doing her part toward this goal, and that's our producer, Jennifer Jarrett. We're talking about what you should know before you start planting those roots. It's Thursday, July 28th, 2022. I'm Frankie Barnhill, and this is CityCast Boise. Jennifer, it feels like every time I ask you, what, what are you up to this weekend? What are you doing? Uh, <laughs> at least recently, you said, oh, working on the backyard. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> so, so what have you been doing in your backyard? You've been planting some trees, right? Yeah. Well, you know, when we moved here and bought our house a couple of years ago, our property... I mean, it was basically like one of those, what they call like a house on a platter, right? So other than we had one big catalpa in the right of way, but a catalpa tree, a catalpa tree. Yep. In the right of way, big, beautiful tree, gorgeous white flowers in the spring. Um, I love those trees. Oh, I do too. They're so awesome. Um, But other than that, it was basically like this house island in a sea of grass And Mm -hmm. uh, we had just like a couple few flowering plants kind of tucked up against the house and that was it. And so it felt really exposed and hot. And it was a struggle to keep the grass alive. And so by midsummer, you know, it would just kind of give up. Um, and it just didn't really feel like the kind of place where you wanted to hang out outside that much. And we're very outdoorsy people and we wanted to spend some time in a nice yard. This is the first time we've had, you know, a yard quite like this. And and so, sure. yeah, we wanted to make the best of it. So our plan was to transition the yard to something that just felt nicer, um, that looked nicer, and basically something that had more going on for both humans and birds birds and pollinators. Um, And so one of the first things we did was plant trees. Okay, but there's so much more to this story, I know. Yes, here it comes. But (laughs) I made a ton of mistakes. So yes, I learned the hard way. Yeah. I mean, before we get into the specifics, because I think, yeah, learning from you directly about what you went through, what you learned uh, could help other people. You know, I think about this topic, though, and Obviously, it's called the City of Trees. There's a reason for that. But we also know that the city has these really lofty climate change goals. Um, and if anyone's ever perused their, the climate change plan for the city, which we'll link to in the show notes, the tree canopy is a big part of the conversation because trees really do reduce the heat in the city, especially in the urban, most urban centers, but also in lots of neighborhoods too. You know, folks listening probably know this, but it really just underscores like these small efforts and how important they are to this bigger picture. But I will say, I'm kind of skeptical of any climate change initiative where the focus is really on individuals and not on systems. So, but I want to be open-minded, but there is this, that's all to say, there is this city of trees challenge going on that does put kind of the onus or an opportunity in hands of uh, folks like you who own own a home and want to make your property around your house a little bit more covered and shaded, right? 
Yes, exactly. And so the City of Trees Challenge, as I understand it, is basically a, a public-private partnership. Um, and I was told that it was really spearheaded by Councilperson Elaine Clegg. Um, hmm. She was one of the main idea people behind it. And now there's a nonprofit organization that is kind of managing it or really directing the program. And they're called the Treasure Valley Canopy Network. I spoke with their board president and program coordinator, Lance Davison, and and yeah, he said that even though the City of Trees challenges in its third year, just not very many people know about it yet. Yeah, and I guess that's another piece of this is once, um, you know, a challenge like this is created again and it's on the individuals to do it and to take it up, getting the word out is such a huge piece of that. Did you know about the challenge before you started planting your own trees? I didn't. I didn't. I learned about it afterwards. And now I'm I'm thinking about taking part in it. And so I can talk a little bit more about how, how folks get involved too. Okay. Yeah. And one thing I love about the, one of the links you shared with me, but when we were preparing to talk about this today is there's this amazing map. We'll put it in the show notes. You can put in your address and see basically how shaded an area in the city is and also places where it's not so shaded. Uh, the kind of bright red color indicates places where things are hotter and there's less tree coverage. The tree canopy isn't as thick. And then the, you know, this deep blue and kind of purple color indicates where it's uh, thicker and uh, a really strong tree canopy um, and of course, you know, need to point out that it generally speaking, it kind of follows along uh, lines of uh, income. So lower income areas are more likely to be hotter and have fewer trees. Places with higher incomes um, are more likely to have lots of shade. I think that map is super, super interesting. Uh, just to kind of underscore a couple of points that you've already made. Absolutely. You know, when you look at it, you can't help but sort of pay attention to what you just talked about, you know, this idea of canopy cover as being something that not just is about climate change, but it's also about social justice. And so, mm -hmm. you know, yes, I am so with you on this idea of being a little bit skeptical when there are programs that sort of um, really tap the individual versus systems. But I think one of the things about, say, City of Trees Challenge that I like to think about is that it's it's not just about climate change, but there's this opportunity to kind of address these issues of social justice as well, which is, you know, trying to have neighborhoods that are more comfortable, that maybe make a difference with homeowners' energy consumption and costs, and also neighborhoods that, you know, offer um, maybe a greater sense of well-being. Right. You know, and it's also worth mentioning that the Treasure Valley Canopy Network um, is focusing on certain neighborhoods that, you know, would be more toward those kind of red, orange, yellow zones on that map. So if you live in Bora, Central Bench, Liberty Park, or Southeast, your neighborhood is a priority in this program. Um, but that said, anyone in the city can take part. Well, okay. Tell me a little bit about the tree challenge, and then I want to learn about how you went about your own tree planting adventure. Um, what do people get if they participate in this challenge? Uh, yeah. So the challenge will provide a free tree 
for homeowners. And so it's a massive push to plant 100,000 trees in the Treasure Valley by the year 2030. And so again, the idea is that as one step toward climate action, they're going to plant one tree for every household. So the program provides a free tree for homeowners to plant. And they'll help you plan, plant, and figure out how to care for your tree too. And so... Um, because care is huge. You can't just oh, put, my put a tree in the ground no. <laughs> and hope that it works out, right? <laughs> yeah. I mean, you know, honestly, the planting of the tree is just the very first step. And um, mm. it's really, I think, the easiest part. Yeah. Okay. So people can participate by signing up, going to the website. We'll include a link to that. And then who actually, like... How do they choose what trees they can plant? Is there a selection? Is it focused, I would hope, on trees that are like more climate resilient? There are a couple things that you can do. One is through the Treasure Valley Canopy Network. They have um, a consortium of volunteers. They're called tree captains. And I think there's a tree captain for just about every neighborhood. Um, but again, we'll put a link in the show notes straight away to the Treasure Valley Canopy Network. And folks can get in touch if they don't know who their tree captain is. That okay. person can help you um you know, choose a tree that's appropriate for your needs, you know, and I honestly, as much as I'm with you and I say, yes, absolutely, you know, we need to plant trees that are more climate adapted. We want to be thinking about drought. This is a massive priority for the Treasure Valley Canopy Network folks um, anyway, but, mm -hmm. but you know, it's there's a matrix. There's like a decision matrix that you have to go through, and it's not as easy as just, I'm going to find the most drought tolerant tree. Um, you know, there are lots of things that go into what you're going to plant. Uh, how big do you want the tree to be? You know, do you have power lines around there that you need to pay attention to? Is the tree going in a right of way? There are certain trees that can and can't be planted in a right of way. So, so there are lots of things that go into the decision-making process. So one step would be to reach out to a tree captain. Another resource that the city of Boise has that's fantastic, and I feel like I've spent hours with this thing, is the um, Treasure Valley Tree Selection Guide. It's available online. Line. Again, we'll put a link in the show notes. And this goes through like, I don't even know how many trees, but a lot. And they, <laughs> they have it organized by class, so by height. And so you can go through the tree selection guide and they'll line out like what that tree's water needs are, whether or not it provides habitat for wildlife, how does it do in our clay soils in this area, et cetera, et cetera. And so it's a really yeah, wow. great tool to start to figure out what kind of tree you want to plant. Yeah, I'm I'm skimming it right now and it really is very, yeah, it's really thorough. It, it, it definitely goes through all the different possibilities, really, or most of the ones you would think of and plenty of the trees that we see around town all the time. Okay, so, but you didn't participate in this when you struck out to decide to uh, beautify your, your yard, but also to, yeah, think about um, what pollinators could enjoy uh, stopping by your home. So what did you do? What was your first thing? And where did you, you know, maybe if you could go back in time, you might have done something different. Yeah, I think, 
what I would say is uh, really to to start with your goals and not necessarily the species of tree that you love. Um, it's easy to kind of get caught up in a beautiful tree, um, but think long and hard about really what you know problem that you're trying to solve or what what goal you're trying to achieve, um, and then look for a tree that fits those goals more so than starting hmm. with the species and then you know trying to hopefully fingers crossed make it fit in you know in your particular situation okay because i could imagine there might be some tree that maybe you you really want but if you look at the treasure valley or the the guide the tree guide maybe there's something that is for pollinators or creates a certain kind of shade and maybe is something that fits better with climate uh, goals but also just your own goals and maybe even the care of a tree can be really challenging if it doesn't fit for the climate, I would assume. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and not only the climate, but also the soil type, uh, you know, the exposure, where it's going to be, uh, all kinds of things. And so, again, when thinking about citing a tree, really like looking at your property, taking stock of your property um, and trying to find a tree that fits what you have, right, rather than trying to make your property fit the tree that you have in mind. Okay, so what trees did you end up planting? So this is sort of those hard lessons. So I ended up planting um, a couple of river birches and a honey locust. Um, and again, in terms of the decision tree matrix, like, yeah, those are water intensive trees, but they're also really fast growers. And, mm -hmm. uh, you know, my husband and I are in our 50s and you know, initially thinking about an oak, I was like, my goodness, I'm going to be dead before, <laughs> you know, the thing is big enough to throw any shade. But again, every tree has sort of pluses and minuses. And so with our trees, yeah, they're a little bit more water demanding, but we've also ripped out all the grass. Mm. And so we're kind of reallocating our water usage from grass to trees. And we feel okay about that. Um, you know, how are they going to do 20, 30, 50 years down the road in terms of climate change? I think that's an unknown that um, we could say about any tree. And so anyway, fingers crossed, we've we've made the right choice. Uh, you know, uh, as a side note, I will tell you that I went back and I looked at our water usage from when we moved in okay. to now after planting the trees. And interestingly enough, I expected to see a big spike like, oh, we've planted all these trees. We must be using way more water because it feels like that um, to get them established. But no, no difference, no difference yet. So I'm, I'm kind of curious how that's going to play out in the long term. But partially, I'm wondering if we've just, you know, kind of, like I say, reallocated what was going on the grass to the trees. I would get really nerdy about the numbers like that, too. Um, <laughs> so, OK, what are some big like things to be thinking about for someone who might um, maybe a first time homeowner, maybe first time thinking about actually, uh, yeah, planting a tree? Because there's things like timing, right? That's important, I understand. Um, this is coming from someone who doesn't own property and is a renter. So uh, tell me what you know people need to know and just even think about before they begin this process outside of imagining what their goals are and starting to look for trees that fit that goal. Yeah. So, you know, the best time to plant a tree, I'm told, is in the fall. Um, and I think that that has uh, my data, my data supports that. <laughs> <laughs> 
<laughs> because you did not plant the fall. <laughs> I planted some trees in the fall and I planted some trees in the spring. And the ah, trees that okay. I planted in the spring, you know, no, granted, we may have gotten after it a little bit on the late side, but boy, uh, with this heat, they are struggling. Mm. They are struggling. Mm-hmm. Now, hopefully they're going to make it and come back stronger next year. Um, but it really, you know, it's it's some work. So yes, best time to plant is in the fall. And I think really one of the most important things to know about planting a tree is not to plant it too deeply. Now, this is my big lesson. Of all the lessons mm. I've learned, this is the hardest one. So it's really wild. If you walk around town, you're going to see trees where you can see the root, what they call the root flare. So you actually see where at the base of the trunk, it gets wider and wider and wider. And then you just sort of see the tops of the roots. And it it almost looks like fingers, you know, like the fingers of the tree gripping into the ground. And it's quite beautiful to look at. And then other times you might see a tree that just kind of looks like a lollipop in the ground. (laughs) Sure. (laughs) Right? Okay. So a tree that looks like a lollipop in the ground is more than likely planted too deeply. And this is really, really easy to do because Mm. oftentimes when they come from the nurseries, they're in pots or uh, they're in kind of like a burlap bag. The root ball is all covered up and you can't quite tell. And folks will say, plant the tree at the same depth that it is in its garden center pot. Okay. But but you want to make sure that you plant the tree so that that root flare is visible. And one of the things that I didn't know is that the roots are not just about either securing the tree, you know, stabilizing the tree or taking up water. There's actually like gas exchange. Oh. And so if that root flare isn't exposed, it can damage the tree. Gosh, I would have no idea because in some ways when I see the roots out, I'm kind of like, oh, no, are they supposed to not be exposed like that? Like, is that problematic? Is that? Yeah, I I don't know why. It just seems like, oh, maybe they should be covered up. (laughs) I think maybe just because used to like really manicured lollipop uh, to use your imagery trees. That's fascinating. Yeah. Yeah. And so this is what you learn. This is what you learn. And so now, I mean you know, they even have a service that they call it like an air spade, where it's like a really high powered air compressor that arborists can use to kind of uncover the the root flare to help support the health of the tree. Um, but it's expensive. And so, you know, here you go, you plant these trees, you think you're doing all this great stuff, and then you've planted them too deeply. And now you have to try to do some kind of air spade or hand excavation to expose the root flare. It's yeah. So yeah, just Get after it the right way from the beginning is my my advice. What about uh, any permitting or, you know, concerns about digging and then you're going to hit a gas line or something like that, <laughs> Totally, right? yes. Yeah, absolutely. You always, anytime you're going to be digging uh, for anything, really, you want to call the dig line and we can put another link to that in the show notes too. Um, someone will come out and they can show you and mark where all of the utilities are so that you are sure not to dig in those places. And that'll help you kind of choose a site for that tree as well. As far as permits go, um, if a tree is going in the right of way, it's my understanding, yeah, you need to get a permit from the city of Mm -hmm. Boise. Um, You can find out more information about that on their website. Um, Okay. I want to know though, what is your favorite tree? It doesn't have to be one that you planted, although maybe it is. Um, But what's your favorite tree that you see or you come across in Boise on the regular I'm going to go, I'll go first really fast. I will throw out there that we already mentioned it, but I really do love Boise's catalpa trees. I 
had never seen catalpa trees until I moved here. They create just such beautiful shade. I know that they can be a little messy when they drop, but uh, I just, I love how big the leaves are. I love the color of the bark. I love finding a, a good space at a, a public park and um, sitting down below one and just looking up at it. Uh, honestly, it's really relaxing. You talked a little bit about, you know, emotional well-being and mental well-being when it comes to trees. And the catalpa tree is one that always kind of soothes me. Oh, I hear that. Honestly, yeah. And the flowers, they just, those yes. beautiful white flowers and the tree is just lousy with flowers and they <laughs> smell so good and they're full of bees. I mean, yeah, it's just, it's really, it's very a, alive. It's a favorite for sure. Yeah. It's yeah. a favorite. And it's a really fast grower. Mm -hmm. I mean, again, we talked about pluses and minuses, right? Yeah. The catalpa, they grow really fast, but oftentimes with those fast growers, they're not as long lived. So okay. a little good bit of know. a trade off like everything mm -hmm. what's my favorite tree um i guess you know honestly i don't know it's so hard it's so hard to pick a favorite <laughs> how do i pick a favorite i think um one tree that is really nice uh, is a crab apple i love those beautiful flowers that that show up in the springtime just incredible and just you know food for birds Oh, yeah. They smell so good. I grew up around crabapple trees, uh, and I know very well how, how special those are in the spring. Very good choice. Um, okay, well, go enjoy your beautiful backyard, Jennifer. Thank you so much for telling us about your experience uh, planting trees and some tips about uh, how other folks who are interested can go about this. You bet. Thank you. And a quick note on that big planting goal. According to the city, about 13,600 trees have been put in the ground so far. That leaves more than 80,000 left to go in the next eight years. The city's also tracking how much carbon dioxide is removed per pound each year by our urban forest, and it does help me breathe easier seeing those stats. We'll share them in the podcast notes. That's all for today here on CityCast Boise. The show is produced by Evelyn Avitia and Jennifer Jarrett. Blake Hunter writes our newsletter, which you should totally subscribe to. And I'm Frankie Barnhill, host and lead producer of the show. We'll be back Tuesday with more from around our city. See you later. Bye.